really learning what that looks like, you know, ice baths after tournament rounds, you know, Norma takes after tournament rounds, stretching before I fall asleep, you know, just these little things that make me 1% better every day, right? That, you know, you add these up over a year, it's going to make a big difference. This is The Tournament Code. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Caleb. We know a little about you. We've heard some good things about you from Coach Webb. But before we get into playing at UT, everything else around your amateur career, let's kind of just start at the beginning. How'd you get into the game of golf? Yeah, absolutely. So started pretty young, obviously. And I don't really know the exact age when I started. My my dad was a uh, a world long drive guy. So he chased that career for eight to ten years and took it pretty seriously after after uh, college baseball. So I kind of followed in his footsteps a little bit. I would go in our garage and we would have drivers that were taller than me at the time, you know, with one degree aloft. And, you know, we got like 20 or 30 of those laying around. So that was always pretty intriguing to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm for sure it was definitely around eight or nine when I started going out to the course with him. It was like, okay, this is fun, you know, and I'd see him hit it far. And to me then it was like, it was like watching – you know, Roy McElroy hit a golf shot, even though it wasn't obviously, but you know, when you hear his ball take off, I'm like, wow, I want to hit it like that. So then it, it, you know, and then I just went down the rabbit hole and you know how it goes. You hit one good shot, then you just want to hit the rest of them good forever. And so started when I was eight or nine after whacking around the Nerf ball for a couple of years. But, uh, you know, that was, it was, it was definitely a fun part of life. And I'll never forget going out to Charlotte national golf club when I was nine years old. When did you start playing in, junior tournaments or decided you even want to play competitively? Yeah, it was probably that like 10, 11, 12 range was kind of when I, uh, I would say like in Charlotte, I started to play around, you know, they have like the U S kids local tour. So I, I spent some time on that playing um, just local courses around Charlotte when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, maybe not 13. And then kind of once I turned 13, I was fortunate enough for a guy named, uh, Eric Murray, father to Grayson Murray, to take a liking into me, who uh, who runs the Tar Hill Golf Foundation in North Carolina, and they're they're an awesome um, foundation, and you know they were nothing but great to me. So I I ended up playing on their tour for two to three years, and kind of moved into some Carolina's Golf Association stuff, and you know, and then the rest was kind of for a later talk. At what point did you start thinking about you know I want to play college golf and start talking to coaches and things like that? Yeah. So I would say, you know, the coolest thing about the Tar Hill Golf Foundation when I was in that 13 through 15 range was uh, pretty much all the courses that they go play, interesting enough, were like college golf courses, if that makes sense. So they would pretty much play the same courses around North Carolina, which would consist of like UNCW's course, Lonnie Pool in North Carolina, UNC State's course. UNC Finley, UNC's golf course, you know, so you're, you're traveling around all these great places. And it kind of hit me during those times when you, you're, you know, you're on the front of the range, warm up for your round and you see college guys rolling up drivers from the back of the range to the front. And you're like, that was kind of when it hit me. I was like, wow, I really want to go do this. And, you know, started seeing a little bit of, you know, so-called success on that tour. And that was when I just fell in love with it. And I, I stopped playing all other sports that I was playing and knew it was what I wanted to do. That is awesome. It kind of sounds like you started the game early and then competitive golf came a, came a little later for you, which is cool to hear. You said your dad did a lot of world long drive stuff. 
tell us about the development of your swing and coaching, whether you're working with dad, whether you found other people to work with, what that development looked like. Yeah. So I've pretty much had two to three swing coaches my whole life. So kind of started off when I was younger. The first guy I ever really took lessons from was a guy named Aaron Black. He's working on Springfield Golf Club in Indian Land, South Carolina now. He was kind of just your typical PGA pro, P- PGA Golf of America pro. You know, didn't really give a ton of lessons. I would go, I'd go work with him about it. It was called Charlotte Golf Links, in, uh, which is a shopping center now. But uh, used to be a fun spot. So I'd go out there with him and you know, he, he was always great to me. He, he, he played a little bit on the Australian tour. So he, he knew the swing and he taught me how to swing it athletically at a young age. And, you know, my dad really liked him because he was, he really, really Aaron himself really liked, you know, the idea of a one piece swing, you know, big muscles at all times, especially when I was younger. And my dad, that was music to his ears here being a long drive guy. So he wanted me to, you know, learn how to swing it athletically first before I started t- chasing distance. You know, some some people like to go the other way. You know, your best junior golfers when they're 12 or 13 are the ones who are driving the green. But I was always a kid who was hitting driver three would into par fours for the longest time. So I kind of had to deal with that for a while. And, you know, when the Grossberg hit and the game changed for me and I moved into a guy named Chase Duncan in Raleigh. Uh, me and Aaron don't really talk anymore, but he was awesome to me until I was about 13 or 14. And yeah, so Chase has been great to me. I've been working with Chase since I was 15 now, so four years. He's been my my. Only, he's the only guy I talk to about my swing. He's the only guy I let I I let myself I let I let talk to me about my swing. Um, I don't really ever really ask anyone else. So he's been my guy, and he you know he's been great to me. So, and then I always try and keep Coach Webb informed. I'm sure we'll talk about him some a, a little bit about what me and Chase are working on. So he can chime in every once in a while, but. Chase has been my guy, and uh, he's he's definitely a guy I'm going to have in the future. Yeah, Chase Duncan definitely has a lot of good players, and he's pretty popular on Instagram. He's a own your own golf game. Is that right? Yes, sir. That's right. He's uh he loves the social side, but he's a he's a good coach. That's <laughs> what people don't see. Perfect. That's what I thought. So, what what specifically have you guys worked on since you started working with Chase? That's a tough question because it's just been such a long journey. You know, I'd say the the most predominant thing that I've had to work on was kind of getting out of this hanging back flip motion, you know, because when you're younger, all you want to do is hit the ball far. And, you know, once I started getting 15, I was like starting to put on a little weight. And I was like, wow, I can, I might be able to get, start hitting the ball out there. So, uh, you know, I'd start hanging back on my right side, dropping my head way down, swinging way up on it, flipping it from the inside. So, what me and Chase have done is we've really the first year and a half was pretty much fully consisted of finding a way to get the club in front of me at all times, right? To be able to have the ball, have the club coming down on, if not over the plane with no flip. And, you know, there's still, you know, in allowing myself to clear out of the way to do that. So there's still a, uh, a lot of those tendencies that I still deal with today, like that we, that we work on, but it's, it's not as severe at all, but you know, there's kind of one move in my swing that I could really talk about that I've been like pinpointing, if that makes sense. Like I haven't overcorrected it. We've been working on it since um, April, I'd say, which would be kind of when I'm at the top of my swing and I'm coming down, we're trying to get the club head like to be much more outside. So I, I like to put this stick behind me. So I'm 
the goal is to like miss the stick on the way down. So it's feeling like I'm hitting really down and really far left on it. And it's, you know, it produces kind of this like medium flight cut, but what it does is it gets the club in front of me. So it's, it's still kind of the same thing, but it's, it's just a new way of looking at it. And it gets my hands to exiting low and left, which has no flip. And, you know, when I, when I'm playing my best golf, we've, we've really found that I'm swinging it one to three left with pretty much all my clubs. So we're pretty much trying to hit those parameters at all times. Sounds like you're pretty involved in swing mechanics, taking swing videos, talking to your coach. Would you say that you're more interested or focused on swing mechanics than your peers or the same or less than? Yeah, I would say, I would say so, honestly, you know, everybody's different. So uh, everybody's kind of got different ways of learning. Everybody's got their, you know, their, their different ways of figuring out how they play good golf. And, you know, for me, like we, I found that like I, I get confidence when I know that I'm swinging it like that, you know, like regardless of what it looks like, cause I don't really look at it a lot, but I'm, I'm sure it looks similar is when I know I'm swinging down and left on every swing, like it, it gives me the freedom to go out on the golf course and try any shot that I want. Cause I know that my baseline is, is right where it needs to be in order to execute. So that being said, I, I definitely, it's something that I think about a lot, but it, it, it's not necessarily like I'm working on something new every day, you know? So some people are mechanical to the point where they're working on something every day. I'm kind of mechanical to the point of where I'm checking my, my thing to make sure it's hitting the correct baseline almost every day. And then I do all my practice based on that. Cause I know that that's when I play my best golf. So that's how I ensure my best practice. As you kind of mentioned, the playing golf is a little bit different than playing golf swing for you. You have a, you have a great golf swing, but you don't get you don't get to go to college and play at a high level just by having a great golf swing. Tell us about your junior golf career and just how you improved over that time, not just with your swing, but with getting the ball in the hole. I would kind of start that question kind of out like in the 15 on range, you know, because that was kind of the first time when I really started thinking about the the mental side of the game. You know, at, at a younger age, it was just, you know, vomit and hit my throat on the green and <laughs> go on. But you know, kind of when I started getting 15, I started learning a lot about emotions, you know, when I was younger and, and still now, like never had the silver spoon. So, you know, always had to, you know, feel like I had to earn opportunities. And my dad's made millions of sacrifices for me that, you know, I can't even fathom. So, you know, just kind of playing with that in the back of my head and practicing with all that in the back of my head, you know, it just made me want it really bad. And I still do. So, you know, that being said, I've always, I've just never wanted to give anything away, if that makes sense. You know, like, I, I'll just, there's just been countless times where I'm over a 10-foot par putt, and I'm like, I'm I'm making this putt. Like, I'm not giving this away, you know, like, just stuff like that. So, that was kind of when I learned, you know, that side of the game, you know, like, the that's kind of more of, like, the intention and grit side, but I also had to kind of learn the emotional side, right? Like, as you guys know, like you can never play on an emotional roller coaster. You or if, if you are, you you better hide the rise as much as you're going to ride the lows. So, you know, so I've tried to stay in the middle, but you know, for the longest time, I'd get really really happy and then double the next hole, wouldn't talk to anybody, and then make a hole out eagle, and then you know, it would just be a constant roller coaster. So, I've got, I've had to learn that, and I've had to learn, you know, especially when I got 16, 17, 18. You know, I was fortunate enough to play a lot on the AJGA and start playing some amateur golf. And I think for a year straight, 
and the AJGA tour in the, in the invitational. So definitely the top tier junior events, best events in the country. I was, I was probably in seven or eight final groups and didn't win one time for a year. So like, you know, had, had done everything right. Getting the final group was leading probably five of those and didn't win a single one. And, you know, this was kind of in my transitional phase of when I, you know, had previously gone from NC state to Tennessee and, you know, kind of the first thing that Coach Webb taught me is that I'm never going to win by trying to win. So, you know, that was kind of once I committed to him and once we started working, um, you know, a lot more of those final groups turned into some wins. But, you know, it wasn't because I got any better. It was just kind of because of the fact that I had to learn that I just got to control my process on every single shot. And, you know, I, I can't I can't I have no no attachment to any of the results. And you know, I can't control what's going to happen. So that was when I really learned that. And that was when I became much more complete of a player. Tell us about coach Webb's role in your game. College golf coaches, their role in players games varies depending on the coach, depending on the player, et cetera. We know that he's in a good way, generally involved with you. And as you said, right there has helped you understand what it takes to win and not and not forcing it. Tell us about coming to Tennessee, committing to Tennessee, and what Coach Webb's role with you has been. Yeah, I mean, he's played, you know, probably aside from my dad in my life and my mom, like he's probably, he's definitely in the top five people that have had the biggest influence on my life. So, you know, he is, he's also made as many, so many sacrifices for me. Um, and, you know, he, he obviously has it pretty good, but you know, he, he's, that is not to be said for, there's a lot to be said for the sacrifices he's still made and the effort that he puts in, you know, as, as much effort as I put in towards my golf, like he almost matches it towards my golf, which is very impressive, you know, for him, especially to have, have to do all the things he does and all the things behind the doors that I don't even know about. So, you know, he's, you know, I'll never forget him coming to abandoned dunes and caddying for me out at, uh, at the U.S. Junior last year, you know, U.S. Amateur last year, U.S. Amateur this year, and then, you know, pretty much every single college tournament, he walks with me all all 54 holes. So he he really wants me to be great, and, you know, I think he really sees that in me, and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, in, in our relationship that, you know, we both have the same mindset and that uh, we're both striving for the same things, and, you know, I, I couldn't pick a better guy in in, in the world probably to uh, be on my side and be for me. You mentioned just now all the you know elite amateur and junior tournaments that you've played in in the country. And earlier this year, you actually Monday qualified for Farmers Insurance Open on the PGA Tour. So I'd like you to talk about you know how that was different from you know like a U.S. amateur, U.S. junior amateur, and what you learned from that experience. Yeah, absolutely. So. So the the kind of little bit a little bit of backstory to that was actually so I played the American Express the week prior. I had got a sponsor exemption into the event, and ended up you know it's a three day cut at the American Express now. So it was interesting. So it was, I think it was it was Friday it was Saturday night, and I was like, or no, it was Friday night before the final round. I, I probably had to go shoot four under to make the cut and I ended up shooting three under missing by one. But I was sitting there in my room on Friday night and the Monday qualifier was in Temecula. And for some reason I was exempt into the Monday qualifiers this year, still am for uh for those tour events, which came from 
maybe something last year or or top 50 wagger or something, but was like sitting in my bed and I was like, you know, Temecula is only three hours away, but you know, I'm out in the middle of California by myself. You know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even have a rental car. So I was like, well, I was like, how do I work this out to maybe go play this Monday qualifier? This is a pretty good opportunity. So it turns out the guy who was caddying for me that week, Matt Hainline works with Callaway golf, you know, super near and dear to me. He, he was like, he was like, are you playing the Monday? He said this in the next morning. I was like, no. And he was like, well, you know, I live in Temecula, right? I was like, no way. So turns out like he literally lives in the hometown. His house was five minutes from the golf course. So I ended up signing up that night and then just drove over there with him Sunday and played a practice round and, you know, went out there Monday and, you know, still to my day, I, I tell a lot of people that that was the craziest day of golf I have ever experienced. It was it was the most wind I've ever seen on a golf course. And, you know, it's a lot being said, saying was in Scotland pretty recently, but uh, it was it was like 40 to 50 miles per hour wind. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I had a ball on the um, sixth green in the Monday qualifier. I'll never forget it. it was front right pin. I had 162. I hit a, a four iron to the middle of the green and um, literally just straight into the wind. And it was an incredible shot. And I like was I was just licking my chops, walking up to the green and just had my head down. And then as I'm looking up, I hear all these people behind the green start yelling, stop, stop. I was like, oh, I look up. I'm like, my ball is moving like towards the hole. Like, I mean, it came to a complete stop for a good minute and a half. And I get up there and the ball is just blowing directly towards the hole. Like almost it looks like it's really going in. Sure enough, like right when I get there, it stops and it's about four inches from the hole. And I tap in for birdie, literally, <laughs> and go to the next hole. So, uh, you know, it was it was a crazy type of win. And I think I, I shot three under and ended up winning the Monday qualifier by two, which in a Monday qualifier, three under, you're instantly getting in your car and leaving. So that was that was fun. And, you know, that the farmer's insurance open was um that was, that was a cool experience. I've always told Webb, uh, I know this is a long-winded answer, but I've always told Webb because he ended up coming to caddy for me for that in that event that uh, a couple years back when I was going out there with my friend for Callaway when I was a freshman in high school, I saw the Tennessee golf team. And at the time, I was committed to NC State. And I walk up to, to him, and I was like, I always, I, I told Webb, I was like, hey, Coach Andrews, how are you? Cause I, I just had no idea. So I called, I called the head coach, the assistant coach when I'm committed to another school at Torrey Pines. And I guess they were just out there playing and, you know, we were laughing at dinner one night because I was like, you know, it's kind of cool that like the next time I'm here, you know, would be my freshman year and, and you're caddying for me, you know, like just crazy how life happened in those three years. So that was an awesome experience. And that Monday qualifier was something different. That is providential. Tell us about committing to Tennessee and your college recruitment process. Yeah, it was, you know, as I said, I was priorly verbally committed to NC State and then, you know, decided to re-up my commitment when I was a junior in high school. And, you know, I was definitely fortunate enough to be looked at by plenty of top schools and, you know, definitely have the pick of the bunch. And, you know, I've never met two coaches that care more about their team than Webb and, and Bo do. So, and, you know, now, especially now we have our, third assistant but at the time he wasn't uh, in the organization at all so you know when, as soon as I talked to Webb I pretty much knew that it was like you know this guy is the guy that I need to be with like he's we think the same you know we I, I didn't hear one coach like everyone was trying to sell me in a way and he was just like 
you know, if you, if you want to come, you can come, you know, like we're, we're trying to be great. If you want to be great, you can come. And I was like, oh, sign me up like that. You know, everybody else is, you know, can play. Everybody has their own ways. And, you know, there's a lot of great recruiters, but, you know, the web was clearly the guy for me. And, you know, I, I say to this day, it was definitely a top two or three decision I've ever made. So I want to talk about this before we go into anything else. You recently just got back from Scotland playing on the Walker Cup team. What was that experience like playing with playing with and against some of the best amateur golfers in the world? And for the past year or two, was it on was it on your mind trying to make that team? Or did you just try to play the best you can and whatever happens, happened? Yeah. I mean, Walker's been it was my biggest goal last year. Um, I think we all you know, I'll never forget with my mentor last fall at the University of Tennessee, which is basically a tutor. You know, we do these sheets every week, and it's like, what's your number one goal for the whole year? And my number one goal was always just make the Walker Cup. So, you know, to sh- to shortly answer that, the first part of that or the second part of that question, it was it was yes, it was on my mind in every event, almost every shot all year. And you know, I definitely had some I had some good play, but I I struggled at times. You know, and I think it was because I seriously let that weight, you know, play a big role in in my decisions, and it was a lot of pressure I was carrying on that I didn't need to be, but you know, it's all learning experience because one day that's hopefully going to be a Ryder cup or whether it's going to be providing for my family or whatever that is, there's always going to be something that's going to be playing the role of that Walker cup. So just learning how to deal with those and, um, you know, really will really make me a better person, a better man in the future. But yeah, I mean, the experience in itself, once I was on the team was, it was unbeatable, you know, especially you go through a year of that pressure and then you you show up at St. Andrews with the team or your, your gear arrives to your house or whatever it was. It was just like, wow, like this is actually happening, you know, and I, I'll never forget getting the call when I was in Chicago and being like, wow, you're you're on the team. And I was like, <laughs> it was the most free I ever played the next morning in a in a tournament. I you know, played good in the Corn Ferry event. And, you know, it was when I was over there with those boys, that was a. Uh, it was an experience like like no other. It was I don't know if I'll ever be able to experience something like that again. It's cool to get to play at a high level, play with a bunch of good players. And obviously you have playing at Tennessee, playing at the with the Walker Cup team, playing on PGA tour events, playing at corn fair events. When you go when it comes to playing at events with a higher level and maybe to some people a higher sense of pressure, do you feel like it's an old hat for you. Is it, is it a place you're comfortable in or do you sometimes experience nerves or a sense of maybe a sense of being out of place? And if so, what do you do to help manage any of that? Yeah, I definitely would say like, you know, at times I can deal with nerves. You know, I think, I feel like if you're not, if you're not, if you're not nervous at all, you don't care, like in a way, you know, like that's always being said, but you know, the truth is I, I never really feel out of place, no matter how big the stage is. Um, you know, I've never played in a major, so I can't really speak on that. But, I've you know, in the three tour events I play in a couple of corn fair events now, like, you know, you know, this I mean, it might sound really arrogant as, as though it's not intended to be like. But when I show up at a corn fair event, like I feel like I'm the man, you know, and I haven't really had crazy success out there yet. But, um, you know, it's like when I'm on the range, I'm like. I just feel like I'm the guy to be, you know, so, or that's at least what I'm telling myself, you know, so I'm not, I'm trying not to give away the mental edge that they have, you know, because truth is like, you know, they were all, they were all me at one point. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of people that would 
would love to be in, in my position. And, you know, I'm sure I would love to be in their position right now on the PGA tour, but you know, there's plenty of guys that can look back and be like, you know, my route was different or whatever it may be. So I try and tell myself that, you know, they're all just normal guys. They're all just guys that are really good at playing golf. And they're all guys that were doing the exact same thing that I'm doing now back then. So I never really feel crazy nervous as far as, uh, you know, like unbearably not being able to hit golf shots. But I mean, I definitely felt a little nervous, but, you know, especially in the Walker cup too, like, I feel like I play better in the moment. I feel like I'm, I'm meant to play great in the moment and, um, you know, I'm, I'm totally prepared for it. And I, I do my best to prepare for all those big opportunities. We've talked about swing. We've talked about mental coaching. One thing we haven't talked about is working out and general athleticism. Tell us, obviously you got some pretty strong genes and probably pretty strong background. It sounds like you're playing a decent number of sports as a kid and your dad being a multi-sport athlete goes a long way as far as helping get you in the right direction. Tell us a little bit about what working out looks like for you and how that's developed. That's definitely been a roller coaster in itself. Just trying to figure out what's best for me, what's best for my body, especially as I grow. You know, I kind of started when I was younger. We did, you know, just playing sports, right? Kind of as the same of every middle school and early high school kid did. So didn't really think too much about it. And then, um, you know, kind of once I, I moved into the junior, senior year, I, I really got plugged in with a guy named Jonathan Avalos in Charlotte who works on the bench here in Florida now. So, uh, you know, this was kind of my first time being like, wow, there's actually like fitness to golf other than like bench pressing, you know? So this was kind of when I started seriously learning the ins and outs. And, you know, we use this app on my phone still to this day called Train Heroic and he programmed sessions that were kind of built for me. And it was awesome having him in Charlotte because I could go like get tested or whatever and we would build different plans. So this Jonathan was a guy and still is, you know, a guy that put a lot of effort in for me. And, you know, that's that's played a big role in, in my fitness over time. And then kind of moving that question forward a little bit, you go to Tennessee and, you know, you have every single resource possible that, you know, I, I didn't have in Charlotte, right? I mean, you have cold tubs, hot tubs, normal techs, you have therapists, you have the gym, you have every single piece of equipment you ever need. So that was a bit of a shock at first. It was like, wow, I actually can do whatever I want. You can get too lost in this stuff, you know, so it's, it, it's important to have a plan. And definitely fortunate there's a guy here named Greg Adamson who has played another big role in my in my journey so far. And, you know, he does a great job training all of us and getting us all getting us all right. So I'd say it's it's definitely a big role of golf, you know, right? Strength training and making sure your body feels good because I'm not sure I've ever really played great when I'm not really feeling good. So, you know, I've, I've kind of really jumped in, especially this year, moving that question forward again, is this year I've took a lot of hard head into, uh, you know, recovery. So really learning what that looks like, you know, ice baths after tournament rounds, you know, Norma Techs after tournament rounds, stretching before I fall asleep, you know, just these little things that make me 1% better every day, right? That, you know, you add these up over a year, it's going to make a big difference. So between Greg at Tennessee and, and Jonathan, who's still helping me now, and I'm still very focused on his, you know, recovery and activation plans now. So and uh, especially Ben, too. Ben's, I've talked a lot with Ben, who who Jonathan works under. So, you know, that's, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole in the fitness world just as much as you can in the golf swing. It's it's crazy. And, um, you know, it's definitely something I'm still learning more about. And 
to be a hundred percent honest and humble about it. I mean, I, I just, I don't know everything yet. You know, as much as I like to say, I know about golf and about the golf swing. It's, it's one of those things. There's a lot of people in this world that know more than I do. And uh, I'm just looking forward to continue to learn from. Absolutely. Those are good resources. Jonathan was on recently. He was episode 65 that dropped two weeks ago. And then funny that you mentioned Ben, he's working, he's traveling for a little bit, has a bunch of clients he's working with, but, we're pl- planning on scheduling him later because fitness is something we like to talk about. We've talked about with a good number of guests who are experts in there, including Jonathan. And I think something for golfers that get that is that fell by the wayside in the past was what it takes to be good. And this was back when distance necessarily wasn't recognized as being premium and strength wasn't necessarily recognized as being important to having distance and you you hit the ball i've seen i've seen the trackman numbers on instagram we've heard it from coach webb you hit the ball pretty darn good and pretty darn far tell us specifically more like the workouts that you're running through tennessee because a lot of t- at least when i was when i was in college this was just when golf workouts quote unquote were coming in in vogue and it still wasn't necessarily much lifting or anything like that. It was a lot more mobility. And then after I stopped playing golf in college is about when, you know, more lifting came into place, more strength, tra- actual strength training came into place. Tell us what those workouts look like. Yeah. I mean, they can vary, but you know, as much as they can vary, I would say we're very on point with what we're doing. You know, we do, we do very similar stuff you know, as much as the different, you know, as, as much as the different sessions, very, um, you know, the, the routine and the process of it does not, you know, we work out three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at, at 6 a.m. We get there at 545, 540. So this is a, this is a non-negotiable. This happens every single week, no matter where we are, what we're doing, you know, and they can vary from like heaviness to lightness, you know, like we'll, we'll go hard this week. So today and Friday this morning and uh you know we'll we might take it easier next Monday because we're leaving for an event Tuesday but that doesn't mean we're not going in on Monday at 5 30 so I would say that that plays a huge role you know the second you get out of the bed at 5 30 you're one percent better so that's kind of what we're being breeded to do as athletes here at Tennessee and you know coach Webb and, and coach Greg have, have set the perfect standard for us in that sense so you know, but the lift in themselves to answer your question in full would it, it typically consists of a we we do these like prep movements, which is about a 10 to 15 minute series of this is like strictly dynamic, this is strictly mobility, this is like strictly stretching, right? So, you know, and it might be some activation, right? Like some, you know, some sort of activation, right? Like to get you warmed up, maybe break a very light sweat, and then we'll pretty much break into um what's called uh yeah i mean just kind of our dynamic lift so we'll go to strength one strength two strength strength three which is pretty much two to three segments every single workout which is consist of like one really really deep compound heavy lift and then you know the second part of that segment would be you know like a, a very dynamic lift right like maybe like a a row with the leg going back, like some sort of movement that's incorporating your body moving around rather than just sitting there lifting. So we'll pretty much do three of those two segments, right? Maybe it's three or eight on both. And, you know, typically around 
you know, that, that'll get you going, you know, whether that's squat, then it's bench press, and then it's, I don't know, uh, you know, pistol squat, you know, so, something along those lines. And then you're, and then you're doing some sort of golf workout along with that. But, you know, then towards the end of the workout, it gets a little more serious when we kind of get together as a team, everybody kind of does those things as their own. Um, you know, it's, we don't really focus too much on the little things. Like we don't match it workouts, you know, we don't work out in perfect harmony, you know, but we're all there to get better. And, uh, you know, we know that as long as we're there together, working hard, we're going to be better. So then we come together as a team for pretty much the first time in the workout at about 640 each time. And we do what's called an EMOM, um, which a guy named Scott Stallings, I'm sure you guys have heard of him. He's kind of played a big role in our program as well. He's the most fit guy I've ever met. And, you know, if anyone, if you ever need anyone to push you physically, it's going to be him. So he's, he kind of introduced this whole EMOM thing. He, he, He's come up with this business called Hard Work Pays Off. And, you know, he's he's given us this new idea of these EMOMs and what they are is it's called like each minute on the minute. So like we have four stations and we'll go for eight minutes and it's pretty much 40 seconds on and 40 seconds off. And it's two sets each with the thing. And, you know, one of them is probably the assault bike. Typically, one of them is probably like a ski machine or med ball throws or, you know, farmer carries, you know, what, whatever it is, this is what, this is what makes you throw up. You know, we have guys throwing up all the time. This is kind of that, that 10 minutes of the workout. And then we, we stretch after we're done by seven, we walk right downstairs and eat breakfast at Smokies. And, you know, a lot of us like to go to the ice bath right after, and then we're prepping ready for the day. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good routine and it can be pretty brutal waking up early sometimes, but I'm, never tired at 8am. So it's, uh, it's really, really enjoyable. And uh, you get a lot of confidence from it, knowing you're, you're doing the right thing every day. Yeah. Something that stuck out to me when we were talking to coach Webb, and I think it stuck out to him too, was when he was caddying for you in the U S junior and just the uh, rigid daily routine that you stuck to. He talked about one morning of one of the matches, you guys were teeing off at 9am, but it was your goal or uh, routine rather to st- to wake up at I think it was 4:30 a.m. So you guys woke up at 4:30 a.m. went through your daily routine and then and then played the match. Can you just walk us through kind of like a daily routine and what time you're waking up and what you're doing throughout the day? School, golf. We we talked about working out, but everything else. I I think I have a really consistent routine here at school and on the road. I'd say. So as I said, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're looking at, you know, five, pretty much five thirty to to seven thirty, you know, with breakfast and stretching involved and getting ready. That's that's pretty much our workout and physical time, right? I'd say pretty much from nine a.m. to noon every day is school for me. I don't have any classes that start before or go over noon. So nine to noon every day is my class time. That's when I get all of my schoolwork done. But um. You know, it's 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 interesting because I think I take a little different approach to it. You know, we wake up at five thirty those three days, but Tuesdays and Thursdays I I sleep till nine and I don't eat breakfast. So that, I know that's a little interesting because you're like, how does a college athlete sleep in till nine o'clock? But you know, it's it's important for me to get that sleep on those days because Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays are just such hard days, and um, I think that's a big part of my recovery. And you know, then I I knock out class, I go eat some lunch, and it's ready for practice pr- practice. You know, we don't do a ton of team practices just because everybody has their own deal. And, you know, we all like to come together and do our own thing. You know, we don't really, 
we don't really need to do putting drills together. You know, we, we know what we're doing and, you know, coach knows that. So we're productive out there. And I'd say pretty much from noon to three, we're all practicing. And then maybe three to five or six, we're, we're all kind of playing out there at our facility, you know, on, we got these little scooters. So we're playing little two man games. We're zipping around, you know, short game games, you know, just always competing and having fun. So, and then maybe we'll try and play on the weekends, but you know, for me, I, I really like to shut it down personally every day around seven o'clock if I can. I think like that, like seven to ten o'clock at, at night thing is some of the most valuable time of my day. I don't like doing anything, to be honest. Like that's that's my chill time. That's when I I, I don't think about golf. I don't touch my clubs. I don't look. I don't think about. It. I don't call anybody about golf. Like that's when I like to disconnect and you know be a college kid sometimes and you know just enjoy what I got here in Tennessee. And, um, you know, I think that that definitely allows me to play more free and definitely treat golf more like a job rather than a, than a must do, you know, how hard is that to do to shut down golf and try not to think about it? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's probably gotten easier over time. You know, the harder, I think the harder you work sometimes and the more stuff you continue to do, it, it can be a little overwhelming sometimes and especially traveling every single week. You know, I used to be like, wow, all I want to go do is play golf. And now it's like, that's the truth every day. But it's still like when seven o'clock rolls around, I'm like, you know, it's, it's been a long, been a long couple of days. <laughs> you know, I'm going to relax a little bit. I'm going to go go out and get some food or whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. Right. So, you know, it's, it's gotten easier as we travel every single week. And especially since, as I said, this year, I've learned a lot more about that recovery. And, you know, aside from physical recovery, there's definitely like a mental strain in that. So I think that that hour and that those couple hours and shutting it down and not thinking about golf and also kind of the sleep until nine, those two days of the week. Also, it really allows me just to recoup and make it to where golf is all that I really want to go do, you know? Absolutely. You got a bunch of good teammates at Tennessee. You got a bunch of good coaches. Tell us about what that team practice looks like and also what qualifying looks like qualifying varies it, it really does you know like right now like you know these i mean this top five is not being broken at all like we're winning you know we're great it's obvious who the top five are right now you know that's so there's no qualifying right now like there's just ever and everyone knows it and everybody's okay with that you know because you know there we got team players everybody wants to win so but you know qualifying wise you know we kind of come in each year and you know it's it's pretty obvious who's going to be like the the guy or the, or the two guys you know right so you know those guys they might still be in qualifying but everybody knows you're still playing for one or two spots and you know it's fortunate you know we web kind of has gone with a different approach we have a little smaller team this year you know we're only at nine guys but we don't have any red shirts this year so we're we're all nine competing for those spots and, uh, you know, I, I think I've, I've, I've played a little bit of a role in it. And so is coach Webb and Bo is kind of like introducing this idea and kind of beating it into these other guys heads that like the goal is not to qualify to go play in a tournament wearing the Tennessee golf shirt. Like, like we're, we want to win. Like I, I could care less about making the lineup. You know, I've, I've never thought about it one time and that's not because I'm guaranteed in the lineup. That's just because it's not where my mind is set. It's not. I'm not going to limit myself to that, right? Like, I want to go win. I want to go win the golf tournaments as the number one player. And, you know, I know we got we got guys thinking like that now. And, 
you know, we're fortunate enough for everybody to push each other every day to where it's simply like, it's like qualifying every day out there. So, you know, and if we have an eye go playing individual tournament and, and he wins, then, you know, maybe, maybe the situation changes, but, uh, you know, for now it's, I think everybody just wants us to keep having success and, you know, everybody's working hard and, you know, who, who knows what it's going to be like in the spring though. So. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys have had success. You guys have been winning. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys keep playing well as the year goes on and into next year. I know you got class coming up. So the last question we ask every guest is the same. And it's, if you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would that one thing be? Man, I'm sure you're not, I'm not the only person you've ever stumped with that one. It would probably be something along the lines of like, it's going to come, you know, like, you know, I used to always work so hard and, you know, which is a great thing, right? Like to be able to work hard and really want something. But, you know, at times I'd get really down on myself if I wasn't performing well to the point where it was, it just filled me, right? It just consumed me. It was all that I thought about all day. And, you know, it was where I put all my worth and everything. So, you know, if I, if I, you know, it's easy to say now because like, you know, that college life is here, right? But if it wasn't, it'd be different. But, you know, if I could just, if I could just constantly have been able to remind myself that, you know, it's going to come, just let it come, right? And I would definitely say that to junior golfers is that, you know, it, your time's coming. You don't, it's it, nothing's going to change your life tomorrow, you know? So, and I, and I kind of hung around with the, the idea that something was going to change my life tomorrow every single time I went to the golf course, you know? So, which in, in ways definitely is a positive thing, but in, in ways definitely, you know, brought me some disbenefit mentally. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find you on social media? Reach out to you if they have any questions, anything like that. Absolutely. Pretty much Instagram is kind of my main, my main social media thing that I use. I'm not on Twitter too much. I have a Twitter account, but I think it's Calebster at one on pretty much any platform. So anyone can reach out and whenever has any questions perfect be sure to check out caleb and then if you're listening to this on apple podcasts or spotify please subscribe and leave a rating if you're listening on youtube please like subscribe this helps us get our message out to more people help more people get better tournament golf and if you are trying to find us on social media you can find us on instagram at the tournament code and on twitter slash x tournament code as always we appreciate you joining us and look forward to diving in deeper what it takes to play elite tournament golf 